Welcome to another episode of the Rachel Hollis podcast. I am just thrilled to bring you this conversation. In fact, I wanted to have this conversation so much, I flew to a different state in order to be able to do it in person. Today, I am sitting down with Logic, rapper, author, wildly creative human being to talk about all the things, books and music and rap and race and what it looks like to grow up in this country to really hard circumstances and completely change your life through your art. We discuss anything and everything. The conversation is real and raw and sometimes there is cussing. So if you got a baby in the room, this is the time to put on earmuffs. I hope you enjoy this chat and I hope that if you dig it, you will take a screenshot, tag me, tag Logic on social, let us know what you thought. But this is my conversation with Logic, aka Bobby Hall. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. So, hey, Hello. nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thanks I'll, for uh, flying all the way out here. Yeah, it's my pleasure for sure. Um, what are we doing in Utah? Uh, I, you know, it's funny is I've never really been like a city guy. And I was in LA. I was originally from Maryland. And um, I moved to LA in... 2012 it was like 2013 really but around 2000 late 2012 after i got my record deal with def jam okay and i was there for so long because i felt the need to i i long after i had made it whatever that means yeah air quotes for those just maybe just listening um i i didn't realize it and then i was like oh you know i'm really not a scene guy anyway it's not like I'm going to the club out here. Right. It's not like, oh, I'm trying to get all these connects or these. It's just was, I don't know. It was yeah. weird. I was just like, I don't really want to be here. Even though LA is dope. Yeah. It's like really cool. Yeah. But it's just not for me. Yeah. It's not who I am. And taxes and everything's so expensive. Right. And yeah, it's crazy. Right. So how long have you been in Utah? For like a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. And how's it going? It's great. I'm cool. not going to be here forever. I don't yeah. know where home home will end up being, but probably around the time my boy's like four or five years old, I'll try to stay put just for him in school. school. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, where was home originally? Where'd you grow up? Gaithersburg, Maryland, um, which is a kind of like a suburb of, of Washington, D.C. Okay. And it's 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 like a conglomerate. Like it's more known as the DMV, which stands for D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. But I just spent all my time in Maryland. Okay. Well, until I started rapping and then, cause there's a whole scene in DC and then 
I would go out there for open mic nights and things like that. Yeah. Right. And is it, I feel like I've heard too that the style of rap based on where you are in that part of the East Coast, it differs, right? Is it, well, am I you're probably that thinking up? about go go, no, which is a, a very uh, specific type of music. It yeah. isn't hip hop, though. Okay. Um, there are MCs. It's kind of confusing, actually, but it's like there's <laughs> MCs who will rap over the beats, but primarily more so singing, <clears throat> a certain kind of gritty, grimy singing. It's weird. Well, not always, because there's always like female vocals who they just kill it. But yeah, very different um, based on percussion. You know, back in the 80s, they used to call it Chocolate City, DC. So yeah, that was kind of the sound and, and what it was known for was go-go. Yeah. Got it. And how much of where you grew up influenced the kind of music that you make today? You know, it's funny. There's this gentleman named Wale, who, who's a rapper from where I'm from. And he definitely inspired me, like for sure. But it's not like he was the end-all be-all in my sound by any means. So for me, it was less about sonically or other artists in my area that uh, inspired me. And once again, there were a few that did. Uh, it, as more so as like my home situation, my you know, being black and white and looking white and your dad's on crack and your mom's uh, was also a drug addict and an alcoholic and crime and my brother's selling crack to my dad. And like all these different things is more so what influenced the music because, well, it also influenced my life because I realized that this was a path that I didn't necessarily want to walk down myself because I had seen how it affected I saw how it affected every single person, damn near, not everybody, but a majority of the people in my family that essentially began to walk down the same path. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want that. You know, I didn't smoke until like smoke weed. I smoked weed a couple times as a teenager, nothing crazy. I didn't really drink until I was like 25. So let me, yeah. let me dig into that a little bit, if it's okay, of yeah. how, what do you think it was about you? Was it an outside influence or something internal that you had all of that around you in both of your parents and the stress and the circumstances to make you want to numb out? What do you think it was that you didn't follow the same path? I always say that it was like God and common sense. And when it comes to, to God, I'm not really an organized religion guy, but I do respect everyone's faith. I have no issues. I just have my own personal beliefs. And um, I don't believe in sky dad, white dude on a cloud with a beard. <laughs> right. But I believe in something, you know, yeah. whatever he or she is or whatever. And um, for me, I'd like to say it's that mixed with common sense. You know, they talk about like nature versus uh, nurture. nurture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really nurtured. <laughs> um, and nature was crazy. So I don't know what happened exactly. It's just a weird, it's like, I can't explain it. You know, yeah. it's, it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, even growing up, you know, my mother, she would use the N word with a hard R at her kids, myself included. I would tell that story to people and they would go, oh my God, like that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, exactly. I right. spent a majority of my life trying to make it make sense only to realize that I'm better off accepting it for whatever the hell it was, mm -hmm. regardless of my being able to understand it so that I may have uh, a better outlook and relationship with my life in general. So I say all that to say, it's a lot of letting go. It's a lot of not knowing where or why or how, but not needing to find an answer. Um, I think I'm just okay with the fact that I made it out. And and damn near every day, there's a sense of survivor's guilt. You know what I mean? Because mm. I look at all these people that I love who just didn't make it. How does that manifest for you, that survivor's guilt? No, it's just more so like you look at certain people in your family who are extremely uneducated or can't make certain decisions or were never able to break the loop of uh, welfare, HOC, the same thing, like, you know, living... Uh, 
under the government, um, uneducated. It's it's a difficult thing, and I'm just like I don't know how it how I got it. And once again, that's no slight. Right. Like, I'm not shitting on my family. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm like, damn, um, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to put it bluntly, and yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Do you feel like I heard once like uh, we're either a mirror of or a reaction to our family of origin? I've never really heard that. So meaning that we sort of become them or we become the opposite of them. Mm. But very much like, do you ever think about, uh, I doubt you read my books because you are not my demographic, but I have in a very different way, a really hard childhood and really not great parenting Mm. stuff. And every single bit of who I am and my success and what I've been able to do is a reaction to coming out of that Mm. so do you sort of frame it through that lens or are you just more like present in the moment kind of going with what is happening today i just wouldn't be who i am today if it wasn't for all the dysfunction and negativity and you know some of the happy moments as well that i grew up in like it's just i am wholeheartedly uh who i am because of those things so it's yeah i mean i i agree it's just really wording right it's like how you perceive it, how right. how I could perceive it, how this or that, but it really is all the same thing. I think our childhoods make us who we are. Yeah. Whether whether we follow that path or not, whether it's you know on purpose and with conviction to do the opposite or do the same, if we have had a good upbringing, it's I don't know. I just like I said, you know, I, I had a buddy that I grew up with, and he came from the better part of Gaithersburg and a three-story house and a dad who worked for the government and a loving mother and never needed anything. And then, you know, he slices some dude's stomach open and his intestines fall on the floor and he's in jail for 14 years. And then he beats the case. And when I was a kid running around with him, you know, he put guns in my hands and we were shooting shit and doing dumb stuff and rapping and all this stuff. And here was this white boy who came from a pleasant place who's now walking around you know, our town with sawed off shotguns under his trench coat. Meanwhile, I came from the place where you think that would have been me. Right. And yet I turned out in many ways, I think at least more so as a human being, just as a person, the way he would have growing up in a three-story house with the X, Y, Z and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And you think he would turn out the way that I did uh, or, or, or would have since I was raised um, that way in, in my household. When did music come into the journey for you? Music was always there because my dad was a musician and he played go-go music. And uh, yeah, it's just probably like 14, 15 is when I really got started to get into hip hop and and music in general. It's funny. My whole life, I never could really hear lyrics. I don't know how to explain it. I'd listen, I'd like listen to music, but I wouldn't really hear the lyrics or understand that there was a message or something in it until I started writing myself. Interesting. Yeah. And how how do you even take that on? I mean, also what inspired you to think that you should take that on? It's monkey see, monkey do, you know? Right. I think any great, I mean, how many interviews have you watched? Books have you right. read? You know, it's just like, you kind of try to do your best to be the your favorite person yeah. that you enjoy. Yeah. And then through that, you realize, oh, you know what? I actually wouldn't do it that way. And I would, I prefer to do it this way or, or X, Y, Z. And then that's what makes you unique in turn. So for me, I think it was more so just listening to Tribe Called Quest and Wu-Tang Clan and, you know, so many different amazing artists and in trying to do what they did and find and figure out why they did it and how they did it as well as they did, whether it's enunciation and pronunciation and, you know, just a, a certain level of 
having vocabulary. I mean, Nas, when he was, even before Illmatic, right? Illmatic came out in 93, I believe. Might have been 92, but I'm pretty sure it was 1993. And so Illmatic comes out and he's using words like cerebral cortex and like all this shit. And he's like from the hood. He's from Queensbridge, like selling drugs and all this stuff. People just didn't talk that way. And so that is another thing that inspired me to like check out books from the library on human anatomy and medical terms and all this other shit. So rather than just like, you know, listen to whoever talking about, I got bitches and hoes and fuck yeah, and look at this money and all, whatever. I was like, nah, I also don't have any of that. So like, what can I talk about? Right. Um, so I think that uh, a mixture between my home life, studying what the greats before me had done and just kind of wanting to do something different, like integrate the fact that I'm a nerd and I like sci-fi and anime and all these different things, which I was persecuted for many years for in hip hop. But I think I'm also a big reason uh, of why hip hop has changed. Um, and there are people like me who don't necessarily have to fit a certain uh, stereotype or talk about a certain thing. I mean, because, and uh, sorry, I know I'm going on. No, this is like my dream. Literally, <laughs> I'm fascinated by how people do what they do. So you cannot you. bore me. Keep uh, going. I appreciate it. <laughs> so I think it's it's like, you know, you have these artists who aren't actually who they are. They, they actually, they truly do fabricate a, a lot of who they are, not the great ones, yeah. not the realest ones, but the guys who are like, I'm in the hood and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. Cause they're, they're just like perpetuating a notion that hip hop has to be a certain thing, yeah. which I've always found extremely bullshit. You know, you, if you look at the, at the genre of rap, right? So first and foremost, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was born from something beautiful, kind, you know, people definitely of color trying to spread a message, a message of positivity from uh, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five to Run DMC to DJ Cool Irk. It was built on something beautiful. Now, when you have guys like NWA and Ice Cube and DMX and anybody who may uh, bring not necessarily what I'd like to call a negative connotation to hip hop by any means, but just a different perspective. If Absolutely. you are from the hood, if you are shooting guns because you never really had a family and you need to survive and you are selling drugs because you can't even get a job for 325 in a McDonald's, like it's just is what it is. And then when they write that in their music, they're telling their truth. But then mm -hmm. you may have other people who didn't necessarily live that life or live that life to that degree or would rather glorify the negativity or blah, 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 then, then, you know, you have this different sect of the music. And once again, that isn't bad. It's just a perspective. Yeah. So you can have the positive, the negative, the nerdy, the, this, all this other, other, these other things in between. I look at rock and roll and I look, and I love rock. I don't even fucking listen to rap, to be honest, because <laughs> I spent so much of my life listening to hip hop. Yeah. Like now I just listen to Mac DeMarco and Toro Imwa and the Flaming Lips and, you know, just classic 70s rock and Bob Dylan and yeah. all, like that's what I love to listen to. I took to. myself to a Clapton concert the other night. Dope. It was so sick. It was the only time I've gone to a concert by myself and I was just like, wow. oh my God, it was fucking awesome. Yeah, but that's yeah. what I mean. I just love all music and I appreciate and, and revere hip hop for sure. But the thing that pisses me off about uh, mainstream media and entertainment and how we, what we do with hip hop and what, the reason I say this is talking about the, the idea of clumping what, oh, hip hop is just this, or right. you have uh, certain um, personas that are created in, in like a sense of fallacy, right? That, that isn't necessarily real so that whatever. What I'm saying is you have rock, alt rock, blues rock, grunge rock, this rock, that rock. And if you take a, uh, a genre of music that's even younger than hip hop, like electronic music, right. you have electronic, electro, techno, dubstep, EDM, like all the stuff. And those have various categories and subgenres, especially 
when it comes to committees and what they're uh, deciding to basically what categories like go in the Grammys or this or that. But with hip hop, that's all you have is hip hop. Interesting. And I never thought about it's that. It's bullshit because yeah. then you could have the guy who's on some super thug shit, but he's telling his 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 truth. And then you could have somebody like Drake who's singing half his songs, which right. isn't bad. Right. And then you could have somebody like myself, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, like right. super rap shit. Then you can have Travis Scott and Lizzo and so and so. But you put us all in one fucking category. And to Interesting. me, it's, it's bullshit. Is there like something within the industry? calling bullshit on that and sort of asking for it Kinda. to be done in a I different think they way. Just might have like opened up another thing, but it's just a bunch of racist ass white people. That's what it, <laughs> no, but for real, that's yeah. what it really comes down to. It comes down to urban. I think that they yeah. just got rid of that that like that's just that's another word for saying, oh, we're gonna put the niggas right here. Mm. And it's just like what kind of shit is that? Right. It's bullshit. Right. So for me it's it's never been something that I appreciate. You know yeah. what's really funny too? What? Having this uh these opinions. <laughs> and understanding a certain side of culture and looking white as fuck. I wondered about that because it you are going to be perceived as one thing. Yeah, for sure. Based on the way you look. Yeah. And I wondered how that affected you as you were trying to move up in this world and sort of grow in a certain way. And then you're probably getting, oh, this is like this, this one example that we have of a white rapper. Yeah. So we're going to sort of like throw you into this category without knowing the nuance and all of the detail. I'm not mad. That's, that's what, that's what people do. I mean, it's, it's, it's human, you know, it, you could take a, a, you know, a, a trans woman and say, well, no, you're not. Right. You're, you're not this or you're yeah. not that or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yes, I, this is who I am. So for me, yeah, I mean, race was never really a thing. You know, having a black dad and a white mom and looking the way that I look, I was always accepted by people. Like, the internet's such a fake-ass fucking place. Like, it, it doesn't really... Like, life and race relations don't really exist that way in the real world. It's mm -hmm. like, white people rap, black people are awesome. You yeah. Know? It's just like, it's not really this thing. But yeah, I'd go, I'd sit down and I'd do interviews and they oh, what's it like being a white rapper? What's it like being a white rapper? And then I'd have to explain, like, no, well... I'm not, I mean, I am, but I'm, I'm also black. I'm yeah. black and white. My dad's black. And then it becomes this whole ar ar argument, not even a conversation. And I'm not the one arguing about how I'm black or how I'm not black or how black are you or how this or how That's that or whatever fucked. the case may be. Yeah, I know it's kind of fucked up, but I never really gave a shit and I, ne I never focused on it. And, you know, it wasn't until like my third album, which is hundreds of songs that I had released up until this point that I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it on a few songs on this album. And then it was like, oh, all he talks about is being biracial and he's trying to prove himself and X, Y, Z. And I just think it's really funny that you have cats like Kendrick Lamar and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Black Thought and Killer Mike and all these incredible MCs that damn near on every song talk about how they're black. I'm black, I'm black and I'm black. Black is beautiful. It's so beautiful to be black. And I'm like, yeah. And then here I come on this, <laughs> on this one record and I'm like, hey guys, I'm two things at the same time. And everyone's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> So it's a it's but it's because I I am the minority now I mean you you can also have uh, people who have been upset and angry and they say things like well you don't know what it's like to walk down the street as a black man to which I can retort well you don't know what it's like to walk down the street as a black man in a white man's body but also at the end of the day I never came at you I'm not angry at you for having your experience in life so why are you so angry at me for having mm. mine and what that really just comes down to is everybody has an opinion everybody wants to say something everybody wants to fight and argue for whatever fucking reason and here 
I am, the guy who's just yelling peace, love, and positivity. And also, hey, this is my journey. Here's what I went through. And some people want to shoot you down and shout at you and say that it's not right or what's right or what's wrong or this or that. And all I know is I was born into this world by a black man and a white woman who were fucking crackheads and alcoholics, and I made it out to spread a positive message. And if that upsets you, well, why don't you just go fuck yourself? <laughs> Seriously. Great. Great. It's a good It's a good place to start. That feels yeah. like a good way to live. Uh, tell me what it was like to, like, how do you go from your writing songs to you become logic? Like, I, I know that's a lot of what the book is about. Yeah. That you are, it's sort of this process of becoming, but Michelle Obama already took that title, so I'm sure that's yeah. why you didn't go for it. So what was it like? Because I don't think you came up in sort of a traditional route, and you use social media quite a bit to sort of grow yeah. your brand. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Uh, well, so yeah, I was at like the height uh, or the beginning of the change in music and branding and every, all, all these things online. So this was before uh, social media uh, and you know places like Twitter and Instagram, they didn't even know what they had. At this point, I had been making music. I learned how to record. I, I basically had this old like microphone I would use, and I was rapping over beats. And you know, over time, things got better, and the quality got better. And I'm finding friends who make beats or shoot videos, and we're just kind of creating this thing. And then I'm utilizing Twitter. And it, anybody listening now, it's, you kind of go, duh. Like I would, I would put my video on Twitter and tweet it out. Yeah. And it seems like, oh my God, but this was like discovering the wheel. Right. So at this, at this age of the internet, there was no making it there. It was, you got to be on the radio. You got to be on MTV. You got to be on all these things. Like that. that's what matters. And so uh, that just isn't what it is. We want what we want, how we want it, and when we want it. So much so to the point where it's like Apple TV, right? Which I love. It's like, they may drop two original uh, episodes, but then you have to still wait weekly to watch it. And in many ways, that even in and of itself is very uh, like old school. Because yeah. I mean, with anything now, it's at the tip of your fingers. You can just have it, watch it, listen right. to it, do it all at once. This the, the, this was different. It wasn't like that. If you wanted a song, you still had to listen to a radio. If you wanted to watch a music video, you still had to watch MTV. So for me and J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar and Mac Miller to take a clip and Wiz Khalifa and Big Sean and so many others, Big Grid, Action Bronson, I could go on, to take, uh, embed a video and go, hey, you guys can watch this anytime you want right now. Here you go. It was extremely revolutionary. And so I, would, I was doing that and I was really connecting with my fans and doing these live streams. It's just so funny. I say all these things now, like live streams. And it's just so, like, duh. Right. But back then it just, did. It, it's, it wasn't a thing. And was it sort of raw and gritty and in the moment it wasn't polished? It wasn't no, I mean, highly produced? Or you were sending out like a finished piece of content? Well, for sure it was finished content. Okay. But it wasn't, but it was content with no budget, but we made it look like it was great. You know, we'd go steal shots, literally like... I'd jump on a moving train for real. And my cam my camera guy would jump on a moving train and I'm there and I'm like doing a rap and I'm like, oh shit, okay, we got to get faster. Like we got to jump off this thing. Like it was, so it was stuff like that. It was very gorilla and gritty and grimy, which is cool, but it looked beautiful and it was honest and sincere and from the heart. And, you know, you want to talk about becoming logic. I think that's what people appreciated about it the, the most. So even still when I came up, you, you did, you had people like Kid Cudi, 
uh, who, who I feel very similar to when I think about the emotional content in his music and how open he is and regarding depression and suicide and all these different, all these different things that inspired me to then later on be able to, or in, in that time to be able to express myself and be extremely open and honest, but having these conversations with fans via the music saying like, you're important, you're amazing. Oh, you're a nerd. Me too. Oh, you don't fit in me too. Like, right. and I think that's, that's what did it. So this is like 2010, 2011. And I didn't even know what was going on, which is crazy. Cause now, so I'm doing this film called uh, Protagonist that I wrote and I'm going to star in it and I'm funding it. I'm just paying like $2 million to do this movie and I'm really excited. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, oh man, like, am I really making a movie? Like, I can't believe it. It almost doesn't feel like I am. Cause it's not like I'm some dude with a 2007 Canon, like, you know, doing an art class film like this is yeah their family's gonna watch exactly this is like a real thing you know and being on set with joseph gordon levitt for his show mr corman or you know i'm filming this weekend it's just it's crazy but back then when i was essentially doing what i'm doing now in film i felt like i wasn't doing shit i was just a kid in a basement and i was constantly focusing on the future and the next goal and the next thing and the next that and once I really started, and I, I still make music every day. I love music. It's amazing. But this is the next chapter in my life. And I remember one day I was on set, Apple Original. I have this crazy episode and I'm in it and I don't play some rapper. Like I'm an actor. It's great. And I'm on set like, man, I just wish that. And I started catching myself the same way that I was back in the basement, thinking about the future. If I had more fans or if I could go on tour, or if I could just get a record deal or if I could this, da, 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 whatever. And I look back on those times and I don't truly appreciate them because I wasn't as present or in the moment as I possibly could have been because I was so focused on the what ifs or what I want or the desire of or if I could one day get there. And even though I sacrificed my entire 20s and had that exact same mentality every year for the last 15 years with film, I will not do that. And I have not done that. And I am telling myself, dude, you're in the basement right now. You got to enjoy this because you're never going to be here again. Yeah, that's so good. And I also love hearing about any sort of creative who keeps pushing themselves into new spaces Mm because I do this as well. And I feel like every time I try and do something crazy. Same as like, I wrote a movie script. I'm going to write a song. I'll write a poem, like whatever. I'll do, I'm just making it up because I, you get, uh, it feels stale when you're doing the same medium over and over and over and you've tried, okay, I've written in a bunch of different genres for books and now I want to try different mediums. But there is sometimes a pushback from the audience when you do that. Do you feel that from your fans? Yeah, they tell you that you can't or that you shouldn't or that you this or that you that. I believe in mastering your craft and I'm a master musician, right? I don't I say I don't say that with ego. I say that with confidence and just fact. Like I spent my entire life and sacrificed many years. I didn't go to parties. I didn't drink. I didn't this. I didn't that in a studio, you know, listening to beats, whatever the case may be. Um, so when I see people and they're like, yeah, I'm an actor, singer, dancer, musician, this, that, that, like all these things in their bio on Twitter and they're like 19, I'm like, <laughs> all what right. are you? Uh, yeah. It's just kind of, you know, I, I believe in the 10,000 hour theory. I think as much time as you put into something, you're guaranteed to see that and get that back and get those results. As long as you truly are insane and a crazy person and you make it your whole life. So, you know, for well over a decade, I've been making music. And and now I can just, I, it's like breathing. So, and once again, I don't say that to sound any type of way. It's just, I do what I do and I do it very well. Yeah. And, you know, being at a round table with 
amazing actors and having my heart beating out of my chest as I'm there for like this table read. Right. That's something that I don't feel when I'm on stage at Madison Square Garden and yeah. it's sold out. I don't yeah. feel that anymore. Yeah. I'm excited to be there. Right. I'm so stoked, but I'm like, yo, let's go. Like, this yeah. is what I do. And so I need something that makes my heart race, you know, and that's my family and this these these new endeavors. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I love the idea too of staying present in this new thing so you don't rush past it. It's difficult. Yeah. It's not like I do it all the time. Especially if you're future oriented. I'm very future oriented. So it's 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 difficult because I'm constantly thinking about the next thing. But my my biggest thing is balance, doing my best to find balance and doing my best to be present. But you know, I talked to my friend about this the other day. He's like, bro, there's people who like travel the world and go to India for 20 years to try to find how to be present. Right. You know? So right. I'm like you're doing a pretty good job. Mm. What do you think it looks like for you in the next five years? If you're future oriented, it means you probably know. Yeah. Um. I'll. I don't know where I'll be living or what I'll be doing, but film for sure. I'll be yeah. doing film, uh, and music, and still touring and things like that when I want to. But I'll just be doing what I want. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it comes down to is what I want. Uh, you know, I had a very shitty life. Or childhood, I should say. And I worked very, very hard to be blessed enough to be able to do whatever I want. So, yeah, as long as I don't screw it up and blow all my money and smoke crack. Or <laughs> Try not to do that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, can we talk about your creative process? Because sure. I think from the outside looking in, I love looking at the evolution of, of everything from the music to the artwork to like mm. I was looking at oh, the book is here. I was looking at the cover of the book and... I was like, it looks like an album cover. That's because the guy who does all my album covers. I wondered. It. Yeah. I, I literally I was like, this is so sick. Thank you. And it's so unique in what normally you would see in a cover of a book from this particular publisher about this particular topic. For sure. So how did is that creative piece as you're like, you know, hitching a ride on a train illegally to get a shot? Has that always been a part of who you are? Is that something you've learned to develop or lean into over time? And or is it who you surround yourself with? Uh, all of those things, I think, at the same time. So before I even had the access to such incredible artists, I just had to do my best with what I had, you know. But I think uh, once I discovered Sam Spratt, who has done every single album cover of mine, it was just great because he was there to push me and help me and, you know, really create an entire universe for my fans. Cause like when I say I'm a nerd, like, yo, it's nerd. Like I'm a, like my second album is about two people. It's called the incredible true story. And it's about these two gentlemen in the year 2115. There's no life on earth. 5 million people live in a space station floating through space called the Babel space station. And they, they're trying to find uh, a habitable planet. And they believe that they found one, which is called paradise. And as they're in the cockpit of this ship, that's like kind of going off to check it and make sure everything is safe. They're having a conversation with their AR, AI counterpart and her name is Thalia. And uh, Thalia uh, and them are having all these conversations. And what they're actually talking about is oldies music. So essentially from 100 years ago. But that oldies in their day, it just so happens to be Logic. They're listening to a Logic album. So they're having conversations about Logic and hip hop and nerdy shit and all these different things. And it's just like, that's me. 
Like being able to take the things that I love and then give you this audio cinematic experience that's like this radio play or like some like Orson Welles shit, like that is really fun. And I think the biggest reason why I did that and went so crazy with that is because what I really wanted to be doing was making film. Oh, right. But I I didn't have the means. I didn't have this or that. So I'm sitting here writing scripts. I have two characters. And it's like, you want to talk about inspiration. So 15 years before then, I was I was watching an anime called Cowboy Bebop, which is one of my favorite animes, Japanese animated series of all time. 26 episodes, limited one, one season series. And this guy who plays Thomas, so it's funny. So the main, uh, the captain's name is Quentin Thomas and the man of infantry, his name is, uh, is William Kai. So Quentin, because I love Quentin Tar- Tarantino, Thomas, because I just thought about how we all have self-doubt. So kind of like doubting Thomas, Thomas from the yeah. Bible. William, uh, for me, was actually about money, trying to get money because bill is short for William. So like bills, I'm trying to yeah. get these bills, pay these bills, whatever the case may be. And then Kai is short for a Kai, which is an MPC or a beat machine that I would make all my, my raps on. So every facet of everything that I do stems from something. And then the guy who plays Quentin Thomas is actually voiced by the guy who plays the main character on Cowboy Bebop, my favorite thing. So I'm like starting to realize like, wow, I can pull all these things into this. And and then Sam Spratt was there to help me actually give it uh, a visual life. And, you know, whether we're doing like a recreation of a, a Renaissance type photo for my third album, Everybody. Yeah. And just the way things can even tie in. So my first album, Under Pressure, is me in the basement. It's so this basement that I talk about. It's me on the basement with a homie of mine, and I'm just like writing. And then my last album, No Pressure, which came out last year, is me in that basement, but it's like breaking up into this heavenly space as I'm like floating kind of into this place. Yeah. Which to me represents like, hey, like you made it. You're finally here. You can just let go. Gravity, nothing's holding you down anymore. Just do whatever you want. You're free. And this memoir, if you look at it and you see... I'm floating. And so what we did was, is we took, I had him paint what would be the back of the No Pressure album cover and take my floating legs. And I asked him, I said, but I want a child falling into darkness beneath it. Because that, my childhood was that falling, like literally just every corner, every aspect of it, I should have been not here. And yet somehow that falling turned into levitating. It turned into rising out of that childhood. So whether it's music, film, scripts, this, that, without a doubt, it is extremely important that um, visuals and storytelling is everything Yeah, to me. Yeah. It's not just bitches and hoes and boats. <laughs> Though yeah. Those are fun. Explain to me how you hold on to that. What I mean is I know a lot of people, writers, artists, musicians who experience great success and it it almost eats away or erodes the creative instinct because they become so known for one thing that then they get surrounded by all these people and there's money and like how have you has that been hard for you to hold on to it? It's funny because we somehow veered away from a similar question that you just tied into, which was when you do other things, how do fans take it? Right. Right. And so the same could be said with this. Um, first of all, fans don't really take it well, but I could give a shit because a true fan of somebody, it's a fanatic. It's someone right. who absolutely loves you and it's just going to adore you. It is what it is. And, it's, you know, there's some people who are like, well, no, if I don't like something, but it's just like... 
people didn't really used to talk like that. Like once you got once you got social media and you're following the person you love and you're liking their comments and you're saying great job, and then you start to realize that you can turn this device on yourself and then it becomes about you and then you realize i hold the power we hold the power and these hashtags and we go this album isn't what i thought it would be and then you have these <laughs> other people and all this shit and whatever and then it becomes about the consumer and less about the person who's creating the art which i have had my fair share of doubt with i have made not necessarily I, I, I wouldn't say that i haven't made the best music because i really do put my whole heart into everything but I have made music based on what fans are saying. Mm. And that is not a good thing to right. do, especially when you make music like me, because I pick up a guitar, I can sing, I rap, I make, you know, all different kinds of music. And I've realized that if I want to make like trap, fun, hype, party music, there's a bunch of people who aren't going to like it because, excuse me, they like the logic that raps like he's in the basement when I do the super raw, gritty hip hop Nas type shit. And then there's other, and then both of those people are going to hate when I do the more, uh, you know, kind of alternative or folky music there because that's not even their genre of music. And then it's, so it's like, I have to realize I am different and I am doing this for myself. Right. And that is the biggest thing because like people turn on you like that. And I've, I've, but the craziest shit is, it's like, it's such a finite amount of people. Like I, I, they're just the loudest. Yeah, the you know loud I mean? minority. Yeah, 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 yeah. hundred percent. So I have, I'm, I'm 31. You know, they really say when you're in your 30s, you 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 kind of have a clear grip on who you are and you you spend your 20s like trying to find yourself. And I, f I know who I am and I know what matters and I know what doesn't. And now I just could give a fuck. Yeah. And I'm just going to make shit. And if you like it, cool. And if not, hey, whatever. It doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, I really do view myself as a child. I see children and all creative and beautiful people it's just like, imagine all the terrible, horrible things that people can say to you on the internet. Like, you suck. You're fucking terrible. You'll never be shit. I hope your baby dies. Your wife's ugly, blah, blah, blah. And then imagine saying that to a picture of me when I'm five years old. Right. It's like, fuck you. Like, I'm yeah. a creative person. I'm going to do what I want. And if you like it, cool. And if not, cool. And the biggest thing here, too, is you have a majority of people, or not a majority, you have a, a section of people who are saying these things, but they are doing nothing. Right. That's a real thing. They right. ain't doing shit or they want to be doing what you're right. doing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you are judging something you've literally never even tried to do. It, yeah, because which you're is too so, scared to, jump, right. to take the leap, you know? Do you feel like you are this creative because you create every day? No. No. Because I used to create every day. I think that's what makes me a great rapper because I used to rap every day and do yeah. multiple songs a day for years. And wow. I mean, I have thousands and thousands and thousands of songs that just aren't even out, you know? Yeah. They're not good enough. You know, you don't see every, you didn't see Michael Jordan in the gym missing all those shots that yeah. it took to make the shots, True. you know? So, no, I think I'm a psychopath and my brain is constantly trying to create or think of things. But I think at this stage in my life, personally, the lack of creation and finding balance and spending that time with my son or my wife or my this or my that is actually better for me. Mm-hmm. Because then when I do sit down, it's like, all right, it's go time. And I can be so excited to like really focus on something because I've let, I've let art and creation rule me for so long to get here. But now it's like, dude, like you yeah. got to take a break. You yeah. Know? It's important. Yeah. So when does work start on the movie? It's already begun. Yeah. We're in, cool. we're doing like uh pre-production and all that. And then we got a cast soon, but it's cool. Cause it's like, it's crazy. It's a, it's a wild ride, man. It's, it's like, I don't know. I don't want to give anything away. No, don't give anything away. But it's fun. Yeah. You're having fun? Yes. Good. I'm having... I 
it's weird. <laughs> my favorite thing about music isn't releasing it. It's making it and watching my friends' reactions to it. Oh, okay. You know, like yeah. when I'm in this studio right here and I'm in the corner and I'm like watching people, if they catch a certain punchline yeah. or, you know, whatever the case may be, like that's what really gets me excited. I kind of hate the, the part of like releasing it into the world to get shit on. Yeah. <laughs> Even though that doesn't really get shit. You right. know what I mean? But it's just like, as a creative, that's all you think. You think about you know, right. the negative sometimes. Right. But the cool thing is, is like, I've been so off the internet that now when I release music, I, I, I'm not even a part of that. Right. Which is kind of sad, but at the same time freeing, because it's just yeah. like, I can do whatever I want. And I know that nothing is going to alter how I make music or what I do next. So with this process, it makes me feel just as happy and kind of a little happier. Nah, it's weird because Making music is the most blissful experience. Like, I love it. But there's something that about the fact that this is newer and yeah. I'm less experienced, so I'm learning constantly and it's more exciting. I, I'm just in this phase of my life, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I'm excited for you. I know we Thank just you. met, but Thanks. it is a big deal to move into a new genre and not a lot of people have the courage to do that. So good for you. Appreciate it. Uh, so why the new book? I don't, it's just Simon and Schuster paid me a bunch of fucking money. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it'd be dope. <laughs> You're um, like, I can write another one. I got yeah, this. Yeah. No, I did, um, you know, I did my my first book, Supermarket, and that was just a, a work of fiction. It was a novel, and that was fun to do. And then I just, I don't know, I'd been toying with the idea of doing a memoir, which is crazy to think to do at like 31, you know, but I've been through a lot of shit. And I wanted to do it because I wanted people to finally know the truth, not fragments of an idea or, you know, something that took place in the past in a three bars and a rap song like i really wanted them to to be invited uh into into everything and so i was like here you go and in, and in many ways it was cathartic and it was a really forgiving and beautiful experience and it allowed me to really i think leave so many uh so much of my life and my childhood on the page there forever and it's just like, here it is. Cool. Yeah. Like, boom. Like, it's kind of out of my, I don't need to explain myself to anybody anymore. It's like, yo, you really want to know? Like, go read my book. Right. Right. It's, it's not an argument. And I think that was something that was really great about that. You know, doing a lot of interviews or, you know, on my come up and the questions and the like, what about this? And how come that? And you don't this and da, da, da. There's nobody to ask those questions. You just have to read it. And yeah. if you like it, you do. And if you don't want to accept my truth, that's fine. But here it is. What uh, What is fatherhood like for you? How much has it changed you as a person? Yeah, it's changed every aspect of uh, my life because it, it, it's just all the cliches they say are true. You'll never be so in love with anything. So, you know, it's just like the best my little boy he's so cute i love him and it's made uh you know even my relationship stronger with his mom and just valuing what is important what isn't value over fear like yeah like i i don't know the next time i'm going on tour because i don't really want to leave i will go eventually when i feel like it when i'm excited to go but it's changed uh it's changed my entire perspective of my reality and what matters and what is important very cool this is a random piece of advice but and I don't know if you even like her music, but Pink has a documentary on Amazon and the entire thing is about taking her kids on tour. So it might be very inspiring to Whoa, see how that's done. I didn't know yeah. she does it. Yeah, we have a yeah. song together. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Me, um, her, and Elton John did a record. 
I mean, that was okay, crazy. just drop that. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, I can't not say I that. I mean, no, that you feels just like a, pink. no, no, I feel like that's a, I just, you know, I, you know, that time that I was hanging out with Pink and Elton John. Well, it's funny. Me and her didn't get a chance to meet on the record because we did uh, the Benny and the Jets remix. Oh, he was like, wow. we want you, I want you to remix us. And I was like, God damn. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But anyway, I have to check that out. Yeah, I it's feel really like that, inspiring. As a, a working mom, yeah. I was really inspired by how she... F- makes them feel like it, they are part of the experience because she was sort of like, the only way I can do this is if my family is oh, here. Oh, 100%. So yeah, so I feel like you'll Have you it. seen Working Moms? Yes, the very Pretty first episode. Yeah, very first funny. episode. Brother, I really appreciate the time. This has been Thank you. sick. I'm yeah. so pumped that I got to hang out with you. Uh, if people want to grab the book, just anywhere books are sold, I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. And are you, did you do the audiobook? I did. I narrated the entire thing. Very cool. And I didn't narrate it like an old man. I wish you had. In, no, I did it like, <laughs> no, like I'm talking to you. That's what's yeah. cool, you know, about it. It's, and I do all these voices and yeah, it's. I th- I th- hopefully people will enjoy it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Bobby, I appreciate the time and I hope someday we meet again in the future when we're at the Grammys and hip hop has 12 categories. <laughs> nice one. Swag. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is hosted by me, Rachel Hollis. Our show is edited by Andrew Weller, with additional production support by Sterling Coates. Our executive producer is Cameron Berkman. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is a 3% chance production.